Get ready for an hour filled with conspiracies, UFOs, ghosts, the paranormal, legends, and myths from around the world. Chasing Prophecy Radio, where the paranormal is supernatural. With your hosts, Sean Kelly, Jenny Nicasio, Bob Dog Pagani. Welcome to the Chasing Prophecy Radio, and here are your hosts, Sean, Bob, and Jenny. Good evening, everyone. Happy Thursday to all of you. I'm Jenny Nicasio, and welcome to Chasing Prophecy, where anything can go paranormal. Remember, you can rewind 24-7 on beaconlightradio.com and check out Chasing Prophecy Radio on Facebook and Instagram and chat with us live on Beacon Light Radio Chat. We have an awesome lineup tonight. But first, I'd like to introduce my co-host, Sean Kelly. He's the founder of Pittsburgh Paranormal and has been investigating paranormal activity for over 30 years. Welcome, Sean. Hey. Hi, Jen. How are hey, you? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm doing great myself. Hey, why don't you I'm give us a little... Great. The show. <laughs> well, why don't you give us a little intro about yourself real quick? Uh, real quick, I've been a paranormal investigator for over 30 years now, and um, I have seen a lot of uh, weird stuff, um, a lot of uh, entities, a lot of like black mass and shadow people and stuff like that. And I'm here to help share my my um, share my strengths, you know, um, if I stutter, forgive me. I don't worry about it. We're so excited to have you as a host. Thank you. And I'm really excited, Sean, to have you. And we have Bob Pagani. And it's always good to have that analytical viewpoint. And I believe you that Bob Dog is going to give that to the show tonight from the seat of a parole car to walking the streets of various communities with his AJ partner, canine. Dog observes life as it is. Glad to have you, Dog. Well, can you tell us why you're on the show tonight, what you're going to bring to Well, I'm on the show because I was asked by you and Sean <laughs> to, to join this trio, and I am more than happy to jump aboard and give my perspective on life as it truly is, and to add uh, some of the crazy things that, and unnatural, supernatural things that I have seen in real life. Awesome. From uh, behind the wheel of a police car and walking the streets and doing crazy stuff with a canine partner. Oh, I know. Oh, well, I love AJ. He's a cool dog. Mm -hmm. But did you guys do anything exciting this weekend? I'll tell you what. I've been glued to the television watching the chaos unravel before my eyes with all the riots. And what do you guys have to say about that? I Go ahead. Thank you, Bob. Um I, it, it just gets me sick to my stomach. Um, it, I can understand uh, when people protest, that's great. But whenever you get outside entities that, that want to destroy destroy stuff, it, 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 it just gets me sick to see everybody getting hurt, every business is getting – I, I just couldn't sleep. I just had many, many nightmares too, and it, it, it was crazy. And – um, it's, it's all yours, now, Bob. It's 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 really disheartening to see what's unraveling. Bob, you're a police officer. Yes, I spent the weekend at work uh, in a suburb very very close to the city of Pittsburgh. I had personal 
acquaintances that were involved in that mayhem that took place in Pittsburgh and around Pittsburgh. It, uh, the police did lose control. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And it wasn't by choice. It was not by choice. But uh, again, we there, there are certain factions that have rendered the police powerless in situations like this. And it's unfair to society everywhere when the police are, are, are instructed to stand down and let chaos wreak havoc in their neighborhoods. It, it, Troubling, it's sad. Troubling. It's really sad. Well, we're going to put that behind us for a few moments, but we are going to have a great show tonight. Finally, PA is in the green. How are you guys holding up in the midst of getting back to the what the media is calling the new normal? I hate that term. Oh, I'm green. You I'm green, baby. I'm green. <laughs> I'm all green. We're uh, green tomorrow. Was it tomorrow? I thought Pittsburgh was was green. No, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm happy about that. And I, I hate when they say the new normal. That's just stupid. I mean, it, come on. This is not normal wearing a mask, especially oh, it's not normal. everywhere. And, um, I guess they, they trained us for the last couple of months to wear a mask and stay six feet apart. <laughs> yeah, they you trained know? us all right. Huh? It's been such a crazy four months. I swear, right in the middle of COVID, the Pentagon drops the recent U- UFO tapes. Well, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Is it a coincidence or a distraction? Distraction. I, I believe well might be. Good, Bob. You're... You you just don't know anymore. I mean, who knows? The, the truth is so hard to find anymore uh, yeah. to uncover. It really is. I hope we can do a lot of that on this show. I, I hope so. I hope so. Find the truth. Speaking <laughs> yes, the truth. Exactly. Oh, There's yeah. so yes. many exciting things happening in the paranormal yes. world. I listed just on MUFON since February. There's been over 500 UFO sightings in the U.S. alone. And that's just in time for that exciting thing that happened last week with SpaceX and NASA. That was such a wild thing. I was glued to the TV. It was amazing to watch. Did you guys watch it? No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I, actually, I caught a bit. I did catch, catch pieces of it, yes. Oh, man. It was exciting. I watched it with my family, and I'm so happy I did. It seems like it was just a great time. It was like a distraction for everybody with the um, pandemic. Now, George Floyd and unrest in major cities and riots with all this craziness. But you know what? If you watch, it just seems like since February, I mean, all the headlines, we go from U.S. state emergency coronavirus worsens, Trump shuts down immigration, there's all that stock market crashes, nationwide unemployment, no schools, no church, stay at home, shelter in place, businesses closed, Pentagon released the tape, hairdressers sent to jail. I mean, come on. And then you have the anarchy and the National Guard coming in. What's the greatest one I love? This This one I love. NASA is watching an asteroid as large as the Empire State built, <laughs> zooming past us soon. So no wonder people haven't been able to sleep at night. And that's where we come to the show. Don't sleep forget paralysis. killer bees. Ah, oh, killer bees. That's where we bring this into the sleep paralysis that a lot of people are having because they can't sleep because of all the craziness. And I tell you what, I've been having sleep paralysis since I was a kid. And it is scary as hell. And when I finally fall asleep, it's like this huge nightmare, this feeling, this horrible paralyzed feeling and a presence in the room. No matter how hard you try to scream, you can't even utter a word. So what's even scarier, Bob, Sean, so many people have the same experience. So for our listeners out there who may experience this, you are not alone. 
So we have two special guests on the show who have experienced the horrible feeling of not being able to move in their sleep. We have Sandy and we have Dee. Welcome to Chasing Prophecy. Sandy, go ahead and tell us what you have experienced. Well, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Hi, Sandy. Um, my experience, hello. <laughs> my experience with sleeping paralysis has been, like you had said, Jenny, from when I was like probably a mid-teen. It is an absolutely terrifying feeling. Mine isn't as I'm going to sleep. It's always as I'm waking up. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, and I, I will lay there. I, I remember specifically in college, I remember laying there and I can, you, you are wide awake, but you can't move. And it's not like you are just paralyzed. It's like you are, you're sunk down inside your body. It's like your mm. soul is sunk and stuck. And I, I can see through the cracks of my eyes because my eyes aren't completely closed. I can see the light and I can see my roommate walking across the room when I was in college, but I couldn't move. Wow. And, and I even have the opportunity. I have the choice in my mind. I can either go back to sleep or I can continue to try to force myself to wake up. But going back to sleep is the terrifying part. So you're, you're, have, literally you're having lucid dreams while you're having the, the, the paralysis? I have one of my sleeping paralysis. I, uh, there's parts of it when I'm wide awake, but I can toggle in and out if I let myself go. Oh. I can allow myself to fall back to sleep, but then once I fall back to sleep, I don't, I'm not in it anymore, but I don't want to let go of my ability to hold on to my consciousness because it's terrifying. It, it is very like, terrifying. It, it is. And I, but I have also hallucinated in them <laughs> as well. It hasn't been always been extremely clear that I am not able to move but I'm wide awake, but I've also, I've developed a pattern with, if I can, if I can move my toes, which I can generally start to move my big toe voluntarily, but nothing else moves, but I keep working on that toe. And if I can just get the toe to swing my foot, I'll wake up. No, when you so hard to do, excuse me, when you say hallucinating, do you seeing like images? Like what's like, yeah. I've, you do, what do you see? Well, one, one in specific I can remember was, like like I said, you, you come to a consciousness, but then you can flip back out of it again. But this one, I specifically remember a tunnel, and there were tribal people. This is, sounds so bizarre, but it's like a dream, <laughs> but you're awake. There were tribal people at the end of this tunnel reaching out, like trying to get me, and I felt like they were from a different country, and they were trying to contact me somehow. And that's, that's one in specific that I remember. Wow. Can, um, I, can I ask a question at this sure. point? Have you ever, you said these are reoccurring. Have you ever had uh, somebody analyze, uh, you know, like a dream analyst saying, this is what it might mean to you? No, I've never had my dreams analyzed. Ne I did. Never. I did. No, but I did have somebody, it was a friend of mine. I had, I have very, very vivid nightmares. Usually they're apocalyptic, poor like a scary movie type of thing, but I don't feel scared in them. But if I were to like play it out in the movie, it would be like a horror movie. But I remember mm -hmm. one time I was stuck in a house and I, I had to rescue all these people in this house. It was a very, very, this is very vivid to me. It was a very like scary situation. I had to get these people out of the house. I was talking and I, I, I went up to a dark hallway and then I saw a big window and then I ran. I said, I'm like, we have to get out of here. And we kept, I kept running and I was the leader. The next day I was speaking to my friend on the phone and she said, I had a really weird dream about you. 
And I'm, I mm-hmm. said, oh, really, what was it? She says, you were in this house, and you kept running past me, but you were not conscious of the fact that I was there, but you kept saying, we need to get out of here. Wow. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> she was like in my dream. That is very bizarre. Um, I'm going to bring Dee on. Um, Dee, are you experiencing similar or different uh, things than Sandy are? Has the experience or yours the same? Or what? Explain yours to us. And welcome um, to the show. Oh, hi, thank you very much. Um, mine are a little similar, but uh, I have some differences as well. Um, I have seen people in people that I know are there, but they technically are not there. Um, one would be my sister, one was my boyfriend, and they, they are taunting me during this. Hmm. But um, it, it's really it's really weird because they're not there, but it, it's so real. And did you see any kind of shadow people or hat man, they call him? Um, Sean, what do you call the one, the hag, or what is that one that you call? Is it a um, hag man? Oh, the old hag theory, um, or the old hag or hag. That's in the paranormal. No, I, I anything like that but i i've had um the the pressure um on my chest like someone holding me down but i there's there's no um no entity there i can just feel it mm-hmm. okay well um anything else you want to say i'm gonna before we bring on well mine have i mean when they first started probably about 15 years ago it would happen maybe once or twice a year if i was taking a nap on the cat, you know, or on, on my back. Um, fast forward to today, and it will happen um, every night, five nights out of seven. Uh, oh, I've wow. gotten to the point where I can feel them coming on, and I can sometimes I can fight against it and and break the cycle. But when I'm doing that, uh, I hear electricity uh, like shorting out through my head. And mm-hmm. if I'm able to stop it and and get awake, um, and I go back to start to go back to sleep again. It's 100% of the time going to happen again. Wow. Um, if I have, um, you know, I've, I've, I've told my boyfriend about it. I said, if you, I, I'm trying to scream. If you hear like a muffled, uh, just anything, just, just touch me, I think. Well, and it, and it does bring me out if, just by him touching me. Are you two um, having the, the actual sleep paralysis where you can't move and you can't scream? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I've said the same thing. I've told my kids to watch if my toe starts to move, shake me and wake me up. But I do want to add to this. I was in a car accident one time and I had between the five days prior to me getting whiplash. I like I had the car accident. Five days later, I woke up with whiplash. All five of those days prior to the whiplash, I had sleeping paralysis every single time I closed my eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I had whiplash and I got treated for it and it stopped. So I don't know if it's if the neck injury made it worse. I'm not sure. That's funny because I also had a car accident and I never had any, any, um, anything like that happen to me until I had that car accident. Mm. Hey, Jennifer, are we going to open the, do you have the lines open for any callers that want to call in to the, to the show? You can, um, you know, I don't know how you do that, but I just want to let you know that we are going to be accepting, um, callers to call in if they have any questions for Sandy and D and we're going to, um, go right. You can so you to the show. We do have a chat group on Facebook. It's called Beacon of Light Radio Chats. I'm sure most of you are already a member of it, but if you are not, you can go to the chat group Beacon of Light Radio Chat on Facebook, and there is a banner there to chat, and there's also a link to join this call, to join this show, and ask your questions. 
Okay. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Well, let's get back. We're going to, what we're going to do now is that we are going to open up the conversation to Dr. Joy Pugh, who has been involved in researching biblical prophecy for the last 40 years. She also serves as a consultant with MUFON regarding spiritual and religious aspects of the paranormal and UFO experiences. She appeared in several documentaries on the History Channel concerning the end of times. She's authored The Antichrist, The Cloned Image of Jesus Christ, Parables of Joy, Eden, The Knowledge of Good and Evil, 666. Dr. Pugh is going to give her side, and I hope I'm not messing up your name, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me as your guest tonight. Awesome. Can you tell our listeners what kind of consulting you did for MUFON real quick? What I did was when people would have uh, situations where they thought that there was an alien abduction that would occur, those types of cases is what I actually looked at. And then also I dealt with people who were having experiences of alien visitation, as well as seeing various uh, UFOs in the sky and that kind of thing. So I've had a lot of background and a lot of work with all three types of people that see experience and then the alien abduction where a person feels like that they have been violated uh, yeah. during their sleep. Well, that's, that's where I'd like to come in because a lot of people say they see shadow people and I am one of those people. I've saw the gray type shadow people standing at the foot of my bed. And a lot of people I know may have, they think they've been abducted by aliens because of this. So what do you say about those theories? So you, well, the, I go back and I did a lot of research trying to look back how long ago has things like this really been occurring. And the, I guess I, the furthest that I could go back and find that there had been anything in discussion as far as being able to pull up information. But back in 1486, there were two Dominican friars, uh, Springer and Kramer, who wrote Malus Malcaparum. And they really uh, did a lot of work with demons and the fact that these alien abductions seem to be following the same patterns that we uh, can see in the historical record from what they wrote. And that was things like screen memories, uh, you know, the lost pregnancy, something coming into the room that then being held down against their will, not being able to move, not being able to get uh, air into their lungs. And then the fact is that most of the people who see these things, like you're talking about at the end of the bed are uh, aggressively coming against their body and pressuring them onto the bed, and in some cases having some type of sexual relationship with them, that all ties back to what really those Dominican friars wrote about a long, long time ago. So I find it very interesting that even though the UFO phenomena has not been, I guess, very uh, worldwide, probably since we had the crash there out in the United States, uh, you know, that's kind of what kind of brought the, I guess, the UFO phenomena to the to the front of questioning what was going on. But then when we started having the alien abduction types of things, like 19, not maybe 1980s, even a little bit before that, you know, that was one of those things that people just didn't want to have to deal with. And so, mm -hmm. and the research that I was doing in the case studies that I was handling at that time, I began to see that there was this pattern that reminded me a lot of the work that even uh, King James I of England had written about in his book called Demonology. And he felt that those demonic beings could actually move from the spiritual realm into the physical realm and that they could absolutely have an activity against humans, like holding you down, pressing you down mm -hmm. and manifesting themselves as an entity 
in your room. And I just find it very interesting that most people, you know, in the alien situation will actually describe the same looking uh, type uh, being that's there with them. And I find that uh, fascinating is that you could have people who've never heard about the UFO phenomena who just had a scary experience that I sat down with and not, did not know anything about alien abductions or whatever. And their descriptions and their drawings would end up being the same. And mm-hmm. I, I just thought that was very amazing. That I find that amazing too, that like Dee and Sandy didn't have the same thing I did. I had like, I seen a shadow, a gray shadow figure. It looks like the scary standing in front of my, I mean, they were horrifying and they taunted and mm-hmm. harassed. And I remember one time they pulled my, bed covers off and stood there and like looking at me it was horrible and there's nothing you can do and you try to scream you that you can feel the sounds coming out but nothing's coming out it's horrifying so i don't know that's very i mean that's real true of the cases that i've dealt with is that you are literally paralyzed and of course we know from the phenomena of the physical uh, i guess and scientific background on that that during this rapid eye movement that when you're in rapid eye movement and you, you come out or go into it, that your body has to use some type of motor skill reduction or you would be up sleepwalking. I mean, that's just the opposite of sleepwalking. You'd be in, paral- you know, in paralysis. If you did not have paralysis, then you would be acting your dreams out. You know, I've dealt with people who do the sleepwalking and that kind of thing as well. So it's a, a really unique thing to pay attention to uh, a lot of things. I mean, like uh, Sandy and Dee mentioned, the car accidents, the whiplash. I mean, there's certain things that, you know, in the neck and the spine and the and types of nerves that you can pinch and do that can present some serious complications like they may be describing. But at the same time, you can look back in the literature and you see the incubus, the succubus, the, the shadow people, the old hag. I mean, I've dealt with everything. And of course, the aliens, but they all seem to be uh, new names for an old case. And when I went back and started looking at all the stuff and, and being able to see that, you know, back in the 1940s, when this, these two Dominican friars wrote their book, that this stuff was really all about demons and, um, the types of things that are very interesting to me in the research that I've done is that the name of Jesus tends to stop the problem. In fact, I've done oh, a, wow. just a recent oh, case study with someone and we, we used that because they could not get it to stop. And they began to say Jesus' name, even though they could not, like you say, make it loud. In their mind, they knew they were saying Jesus. And because they continued to do that, the manifestation of the sleep paralysis stopped. The problem with the alien abduction and the aliens in the room stopped. So I find it very interesting that there is a lot of research has been done in that area as far as uh, you know the alien abduction phenomena, but then thinking about how demons have always been a part of scripture, and we know that Jesus cast those out, you know, of people, and that they able were able to talk to Jesus, and he talked back to them, and then they ran into the swine, and then the swine drowned themselves. So we have to look at that's in the spiritual realm. They were real. They did exist. Uh, and we have the scripture to prove that it, that it existed. So I, I will always believe that those things have been here with us from the beginning. That probably has a lot to do with the fallen angels. And then those demonic beings have been manifesting themselves because they can't, they don't die. That spirit does not die. It has to find a host to get into. And of course, the exorcisms that a lot of people can read about in some of Malachi Martin's work, A Hostage to the Devil, 
those particular priests that tried to exercise those things out, if they were not really prayed up, those things would turn around and jump on them. And some priests actually died in the process. And if you've never been witness to an exorcism, that is unreal because there's something there. And if you're not really kind of ground in what you need to be grounded in, you are in jeopardy of it attacking you. And of course, we know that the, the movie, The Exorcist, that Linda Blair made so popular was based on a true case study. A lot of people don't realize that, but that was a true case study of a situation with a person with that kind of problem. So I don't think it's something that we need to just buff off that, you know, it could be, you know, uh, something in a temporal lobe, or it could be something that, you know, um, vagus nerve stimulation or whatever. I think we need to be looking at all aspects of it. I do think there are some things, just like the possibility of the car accidents. There could be something to do with the whiplash. There could be something to do with the nerves and the brain and that kind of stuff. But it's also interesting to me that if you take a drug called DMT, and I show that in my research, the types of things that you see and feel are like you're describing with sleep paralysis. And the beings that you typically see under those drug-induced hypnotic states are these little gray alien-looking things with the big eyes. So there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I go into in, in my books, uh, Eden, The Knowledge of Good and Evil, and my Beguile series, because I feel like it's something that's very real. And, and the people that I've dealt with were very truthful. They were not trying to make up anything. They were not trying to get any notoriety. They just really wanted to know what happened to them and how to fix it. And it, the name of Jesus is what I've used more than anything, and that has been the greatest thing to fix the problem. Um, Dr. Joy, we have a caller coming in. Tara? Yes. Tara? Tara, are you on the phone? Hi, Sean. Yes, Hi, I am. Hi, Tara. Hey, how are What's you What's your doing? question today, bud? Sure. I just wanted to know if you've ever experienced it yourself. <laughs> yes. In fact, I have. I've had experiences with uh, the not being able to move and being outside of the body and being able to look back at the body. And I've had experience of the strange uh, uh, sounds in the room that would wake you up and you would hear a voice and it would no one would be there. Uh, so I've actually experienced it myself. So that kind of helps, I think, a lot when you realize that what people are telling you is in fact uh, very real. And that paralysis, until you can kind of get totally awake, you can you literally cannot move. And it's quite frightening. Uh, the times that I've ever had it happen, I really thought that it was death, that that I was slipping into death. Now I've never you know seen the alien beings uh, or anything like that, but I've seen the dark beings, the the more black, more demonic type looking being. And so, um, you know, when you know that you are doing, it, it's like when I do things for UFO, you know, research. I'm doing it from a you know scientific standpoint, so I'm taking into how is this laid out, what is happening. Uh, what time is it when I wake up? I mean, I'm paying attention to it from a scientific standpoint so that I can learn from it the fact that I'm having this. And then when I'm hearing people talk about it and ex they're experiencing it, then I can kind of relate to it, which is, you know, at first years ago when it happened to me, wasn't a good feeling. But I always believe that God has allowed me to experience a lot of things so that when I have to deal with those things, then I can deal with it. I've seen UFOs. I have several cases that are on in the case logs of uh, MUFON, but, uh, you know, if I can run across one of those beings, I will be the first one to try to figure out what it is and be uh, taking every scientific measurement that I, that I can take while I was in their presence. 
My best Amazing. friend says, she always says, if that thing was to land out in your front yard, she said, you would be out there with a tape measure and <laughs> trying to figure out. I've always been the type of person, I want to know the truth. You know, I, the yeah, whole thing absolutely. is, I just want to know the truth. And so I'm not going to fool myself. I want to know exactly what's going on. And that's the way I write and I do my work. And that's how I deal with people and consult with people. It's, it's very relaxed. I don't want to make you feel at any time that, uh, that I think you're crazy or whatever out in left field. I want to hear the whole story. I want you to be truthful with me. I want you to tell me everything. And, uh, and some people have real difficulty in trying to talk about the sexual end of it. Mm. Uh, that's the thing even going back and doing the uh, research that I did on the incubus and the succubus where the incubus is of course the male demon and the succubus is a female demon and this, you know, a sexual thing that's going to be going on between somebody. Uh, sometimes that's very difficult for people to discuss. Absolutely. And, and when I have a case like that, then I'm always like, look, just tell me the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Don't add to it. Don't take away. I want to know every aspect from the things that you smelled, because most of the time there'll be a sulfuric smell. There'll be different things that will be going on uh, in sound wise and um, and like visualization, the pressure. I mean, there's situations where people have said that they heard something in the room, felt it, heard it walking across the floor, saw it sit down on the bed, the bed dipped down. But they physically, mentally or spiritually with their own eyes, they could not see an entity, but yet they knew that that presence was in the room with them and they felt it when it sat down on the bed or got up off the bed or that it was holding them down and they literally could not lift their body up off the bed. So I've I've probably experienced or dealt with most of the cases like this, including people who I think are having uh, some of these problems with sleep sleep, uh, paralysis due to either uh, drugs, alcohol, or either from having accidents, head injuries, things of that nature. I mean, it can be organ- organic or it can be, you know, uh, a problem from something else. And yeah. d- demons are definitely real. So, you know, it Absolutely. just uh, piles, ties to that. And is it shadow people? What are they? Is it the hag, the aliens, or there, is there something physically happening in our body that medical science can explain, but since we are not doctors and I'm just going to put a disclaimer on there that we can't give you anything treatable stuff. So this is strictly for our entertainment tonight. So I want to bring on someone else to the show. It's Brian Sharpless. He's a clinical psychologist and author currently visiting, uh, currently a visiting associate at professor at St. Mary's College of Maryland. He also holds a visiting research fellowship at Goldsmiths University. And I think that's in London. Yes. He received his PhD in clinical psychology and MA in philosophy. I think that's what it is. And from Pennsylvania State University complete. Wow. He completed his doctoral training at the University of Pennsylvania. He has three books, Sleep Paralysis, historical psychology, medical perspectives, usual and unusual psychological disorders, dynamic therapy from, oh my, it's available at Oxford University. Um, Brian, can I call you Brian? Welcome to Chasing Prophecy. After listening to Sandy D's and Joyce and my experience and Sean's experience, Bob don't have any, um, what do you think that's going on? Is there something like a normal physical explanation and should we can be concerned and can we truly say, when can you truly say without a doubt, it didn't any, 
could it be paranormal um, an experience? And how do we know for sure? So a lot of questions there, but I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here. And if we have time, I'll, I'll, I'll feel free to chime in on them all. Um, so yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the things that the, the, the first two uh, guests said seem very consistent with sleep paralysis. So from a psychological and medical perspective, sleep paralysis is the experience of either going to bed or waking up and you find yourself completely unable to move. So it's very different from, you know, that sluggish feeling you get in the morning when you don't want to wake up, that you physically try to move any part of your body except for your eyes, and it doesn't do it. You have some control over your eyes, but some people don't have them open, but they can still kind of look around with their eyes closed. And you might have some control over your breath as well, but a lot of pe people complain of smothering sensations. So it makes it interesting. Uh, well, there are a few things that make it interesting, but one of the things is you know for sure that you're not asleep. So you have conscious awareness while you're laying there paralyzed and you're usually on your back. Uh, statistically, yeah. most people have the experience on their back for a few reasons. And along with that, the majority of folks also experience dreams while they're awake. So they're hallucinations. And that's where you get into seeing uh, beings, seeing flashes of light, seeing inanimate objects. And um, interestingly enough, we've had people um, experience sleep paralysis while they've been hooked up to uh, what we call polysomnographs. So these um, devices that measure the uh, electrical uh, activity of your brain, they measure your movement, they measure what your eyes are doing. And if you look at the polysomnographic results of people that are experiencing sleep paralysis, it looks like a mix of REM sleep, which I believe Joy talked about, and that's the state of sleep where we're most likely to dream, and conscious wakefulness. So you've got an interesting mixed profile on the EEG that again maps on that it's a mixed state. So you're partially awake and you're partially asleep. But uh, you have conscious awareness, as I said. And I actually just did a study published in Sleep Medicine recently with a student from Czech Republic. And the most common being that is actually seen during these events is the shadow people, which um, it depends really who you ask what shadow people are. They've been described as sort of interdimensional beings. They've been described as time travelers that for whatever reason can't quite manifest in our dimension. So they have this wispy quality and you might only see them out of the corner of your eye. And if you look through time, um, you can see descriptions of, of sleep paralysis going back to ancient Greece. They used to call it uh, pan epialtes, which means the god pan leaping upon you and pressing down on your chest. And then uh, another person mentioned the old hag, incubi and succubi. If you go to Zanzibar, for instance, uh, their experience of sleep paralysis is being visited by the Popabawa, which is this giant black bat that comes out of the jungle and lays on top of you and assaults you. Oh so what I really find fascinating about it is the core features of sleep paralysis seem to be the same. doesn't matter whether you're asking someone in you know, 21st century Pittsburgh or someone in first century uh, England or uh, wherever, the core features are the same, the paralysis, um, seeing things that aren't there, knowing that you're not asleep, and usually that feeling of pressure on the chest. Uh, historically, this was the original nightmare. Our term today, the original, uh, our term today for nightmare really only came about in the 19th century. Before that, when people would talk about nightmares, they would talk about a phenomenon very similar to sleep paralysis. 
Okay. And it's a fairly common, I could just keep prattling on. Oh, uh, it's, all, all, it's so interesting. Is When you say the pressure on the chest, could it be like sleep apnea causing it too? Maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. Pretty much anything that disrupts your sleep will make sleep paralysis more likely. So if you have sleep apnea, if you have insomnia, if you have any of the sleep disorders, you are far more likely to experience sleep paralysis. In fact, you can even induce it in a lab. So a Japanese researcher named Takeuchi um, hooked people up to polysomnographs and he he monitored them. And then when he noticed they were going into REM sleep, he would sort of jab them awake. And you do that a few times and you can actually induce sleep paralysis in people right in the lab. Well, you know, what was fascinating when I was reading your book, Um, you mentioned or in the book, it mentioned that dogs you can have sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah, my girlfriend's dog had it once. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Well, it it said about um giving them Benadryl, and my dog, I, I swear, I give her Benadryl every day, and she does these things. What it said exactly in your book, the dog starts across the room out of he's asleep, he's awake, but he he it's caused. Well, I said from the Benadryl because of the drowsiness. So I didn't ever, I thought that was so fascinating that um, it was mentioned. I was like, oh my God, that is so cool. I have to have to ask Brian, is that true? You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, most animals go through something similar to dreaming. Not not all of them, but the, the vast majority do. And yeah, I, I noticed uh, my girlfriend's dog was, its eyes were open and looked terrified. And yes, no, exactly. There's, there's nothing worse than seeing a uh, poor creature oh. terrified. And no. so I was looking at it and it, it wouldn't move, but it looked like it just wanted to run away. So we went over to it, started petting it. And then eventually it was able to um, it get its movement back. And um, usually when the moment that you're able to move again, once the paralysis ends, that's when the hallucinations go away. So if you look back in, in uh, mythology, uh, witchcraft, so one of your guests mentioned the Malleus Maleficarum, if you talk about witches, you sometimes hear about them being able to uh, to uh, disappear and appear at will. Vampires, the same thing. Oh my God! When so cock crows, yeah. When cock crows, you know, you might sort of get jarred awake, and then the hallucination goes away. Did you find that it runs in families? Uh, yes, there is actually um, a colleague of mine at uh, Notre Dame identified that people that are more likely to have sleep paralysis have a mutation on the PER2 gene, which is associated with sort of how we regulate our, our body rhythms and sleep. Oh so God, so uh, that though anybody can have it, there are certainly things that make it more likely. So if you have this gene, for instance, if you are jet lagged, if you um, carry a bit of extra weight and you might sleep on your back, these things will serve to disrupt your sleep, which will make it more likely. Well, when I had it, it seems like it was like I was overly tired. If something I was exhausted, that that's when I would have it more. Mm-hmm. Did you did, did the, any of the other guests have that feeling of being overly tired and it brought it on? I think no, I have mine on. This is Sandy. I think what brings mine on when I'm real anxious or nervous. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I go to sleep. I end up having it. Seems like it. It's it's something. It's like a precursor. Um, is there is there anything that um, we can do to prevent it from happening? I mean, is, can we do something? Meditation? Any kind of treatment? Do you know of? Uh huh. Um, yeah. So not surprisingly, there's not a lot of grant money in sleep paralysis these mm. days. Uh, so <laughs> there's not a, there's not been one sort of gigantic, well-controlled, randomized trial. 
However, we do have a number of published um, small case studies and case series, and we do have a good sense of not only how it, how it happens, down the level of the neurotransmitters that are involved in the paralysis itself, they're called GABA and glycine. But um, yeah, so we know some things that can help. So for instance, a lot of your listeners will know about SSRI, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Prozac, things like that, that mm-hmm. you give to people who are depressed and anxious. Well, strangely enough, one of the side effects to this is that it makes you less likely to dream. So it acts as an REM suppressor. So whereas that's a side effect, if you're treating someone for depression, if you wanted to treat someone for sleep paralysis using medications, you would use that drug to essentially get the side effect as the, as the way to treat it. Um, there are also, one of your guests, I think it was Dee, and she's, she's really on our game, uh, talking about wiggling her big toe. Again, once the movement is able to turn to your body, that's when the scary parts uh, go away. So trying to relax when you're in an episode, trying to realize that you're just essentially seeing a dream while you're awake, calming down, not, not uh, assuming you're being attacked, and trying to focus on moving one small body part tries to help. So when I was developing a treatment for this um, that I published in the, the book you mentioned, I first went around to people that have been suffering from sleep paralysis for years and asked them, okay, well, what do you do to try to prevent it or to disrupt it? And so they told me some very interesting things and I put it all together and figured out what was most effective. So the best thing to do to prevent it is to really regulate your sleep, practice good sleep hygiene, go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. Um, If you have a lot of stress in your life, try to reduce that. If you're suffering from depression or trauma, both of which seem to be related to sleep paralysis as well. I've worked with a number of people with sleep paralysis who actually hallucinated their rapists when they were experiencing sleep paralysis. I mean, how terrifying is that? Yeah. Um, Also, Devin Hinton, a researcher at Harvard, um, worked a lot with Cambodian refugees, and he found that they hallucinated people wearing Khmer Rouge uniforms when they were experiencing their paralysis. So we do tend to work in things that are are scary to us or important to us into these episodes. Another easy thing to do is don't drink before bed uh, in terms of alcohol. Alcohol, again, acts as an REM suppressor and it keeps you from really going through all the sleep stages you need. So what you end up happening, what what you end up happening is that you get a big burst of REM activity towards the end of the night once the alcohol is out of your system. And lo and behold, more, more people are more likely to experience sleep paralysis when waking up than when they go to bed. That's amazing. And um, all, the easiest thing is to don't sleep on your back. And next, don't sleep on your stomach. So try to sleep on your sides. People have the least amount of episodes on their sides. And in terms of disruption, yeah, like I said, try to move a toe. Try to find humor in the things rather than than freaking out from them. You know, am I really being a? Am I do I? Is there really a demon in my room right now? <laughs> do things like that. Um, and I honestly don't know why the movement things work. I don't know if concentrating on your big toe actually gets out of gets you out of the episode quicker, or whether it might distract you from the other scary things that are going on and might make you able to get out of it that way. So we're still trying to figure that out, but. Um, there's yeah, a um, series. I, I have a question. Sure, um, go ahead. When I sleep, okay, I'm, I'm usually on my side. Now, I don't know if I'm weird or what, but <laughs> I don't know you well enough to say. On one side, I get all these scary nightmares, okay? Uh-huh. I get 
it, it's really crazy. Everything that could happen to me bad um, when I'm sleeping is when I lay on my right side. Mm. And it's when I turn over and sleep on my left side, then it just seems like it all goes away. Is there part of the brain, like the right side, to where a lot of bad things happen? Do you understand where I'm getting at with this? Um, I, I, I might be tracking you. So uh, I'm not honestly sure if, if the, the side you sleep on would be important or not. My gut would tell me probably no. But um, if maybe you, it was a bit more uncomfortable on one side rather than the other, maybe you got a crink in your shoulder on one side, that might make you less likely to dream because you're maybe not going through all the same sleep cycles. Um, sure. And in general, about about 30% of your dreams are scary. And you, you usually have several dreams a night, but we generally don't remember them. Uh, in, in contrast, though, sleep paralysis, they are scary about 80 to 90% of the time when people experience sleep paralysis episodes. Oh, okay. This is Sandy. Um, my aunt has it, as well as my cousin also had it before he passed. Is this hereditary? And if so, how would that explain, like when you say you need to sleep better, don't drink before you sleep, which I don't. I don't drink alcohol, mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't really have that as one of my issues. Yep. But mine tends to be when I'm in a, a more nervous period of my life, like starting the first year of college or what have you, when I, I notice it a lot. Yeah, what yeah, about yeah. the hereditary aspect of it? Yep, yep. Uh, so there, there is a genetic contribution. So people, it, it does travel in families, but just because some people are more likely to have it doesn't mean that other people can't have it. So in the studies I've conducted based on a sample size of 36,000 people, so a big chunk, I combined uh, one of my studies with 35 other studies. And we found that 8% of the general population, 28% of college students, and 32% of psychiatric patients experience sleep paralysis at least once in their life. So it's really not that uncommon of an experience. But I think it, it, it's hard for some people to talk about because, again, they know they're not asleep and it doesn't feel like they're dreaming. So they might be a little bit reluctant to tell somebody that they you know, saw an alien or they were uh, visited by a giant bat. Uh, I can't tell you the number of people that when I ask these questions, they say, oh, my God, does, do other people have that? <laughs> I thought I was the only one because so many... Um, so many of the episodes are scary and very jarring and don't really correspond to things that we normally experience at all. Yeah. Is there anything dangerous that could happen like when you're in sleep paralysis? Yeah, that's a good question too. Um, by and large, no. If, if the, the thing you have to watch with sleep paralysis is that it is one of the symptoms of narcolepsy. So if you see yourself having sleep attacks or any of the other characteristic symptoms of narcolepsy, that's something you definitely want to get checked out. If you just experience sleep paralysis, maybe once or twice, um, you know, it's, it just could be a blip and something fun to talk about with your partner. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but again, if some people, of those people that have it, so 8% of the general population will have it at least once. Mm -hmm. And so, depending on the study, somewhere between 15 and 45% of those folks will experience it to the point that it's a problem. And there is a recognized psychiatric disorder called recurrent isolated sleep paralysis. And though for people like that, that they're um, maybe spending a lot of time worrying about going to bed, mm -hmm. uh, some people will actually try to not go to sleep 
and will try to sleep in a chair and not avoid the bedroom because it's, you know, it's the place where scary stuff happens. So for people like that, uh, I I would recommend them definitely getting evaluated and going in and potentially trying one of these treatments. There's a, a few psychological treatment options and a few pharmacological treatment options that are available right now. Is it true that you, I watched on an episode of evil, um, a woman was having sleep paralysis and they had, uh, she wrote something on the ceiling. They said, you can't read when you're sleeping. Is that true? Did you ever hear anything like that? And she knew she was, she knew it was. Um, well, I mean, you, you don't have the normal level of conscious awareness. There's a phenomenon that one of your other guests mentioned called lucid dreaming, where you are actually asleep, but you do, do have some recognition, A, that you are dreaming, and B, you can sometimes even affect changes in your dreaming. So you can sort of almost, it's like you're a director and you're making your own movie while you're sleeping. Um, but that's going on when you're in an actual state of sleep. Sleep paralysis is, as I said, this weird mixed state where your conscious awareness mixed with that REM dream activity going on while you're awake. So um, I don't, if you have your eyes closed, I think it'd be hard to read. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to figure it out. Is it paranormal? Um, we can't leave that out of the question. If somebody did see, or maybe they were abducted. We don't know for sure. They, they're the only ones and God above. But I want to thank um, Dee and Sandy and the caller for joining us tonight. And Dr. Pugh, before I let you go, um, where can someone get in touch and learn more about your books? Uh, you can go to my website, which is uh, www.joy, it's D-R-J-O-Y-E, joy with an E.com. And all my books and all my information and research is actually there at the website. Or you can contact me through Facebook, which is J-O-Y-E, and last name is Pew, P is in Paul, U-G-H. And if they uh, will just friend ask a friend request, then I'll accept that. And they can keep up with the work that I do and the research that I do there. Well, you do a lot of fascinating things. We're going to have you back on in either August or September so we can talk about the Antichrist and 666. I think everybody's interested in that. But I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. I'm so thankful that you're on it. And you probably helped a lot of people tonight. Well, listen, I hope that it's something that I was able to say that if you can try, if it's not something organic, that it would actually help you. And since it has helped some people that I've dealt with, I would really suggest, you know, using the name of Jesus and do see I'm if that definitely. does have any. Uh, you know what? You I do way. do that. I, I'm sorry, but I, whenever that happens to me, and I usually say, and in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, you are not allowed to be around here. Leave. That's great and advice. Great advice. Well, thanks again, Joy. Thank Brian, you for having me. Oh. Absolutely. I'm so glad. And I'll get in touch with you in email and let's set up a date for that next uh, show. Okay. Um, Brian, where can someone get in touch with you and learn more about your books? Uh, yeah, you go to www.briansharkless.com. Um, I'm on ResearchGate and Google Scholar as well. You can find me there. And if you want to buy my books, you can find them on Amazon or directly from the source of OxfordUniversityPress.com. Yeah, that's where I should have went because it's real expensive on Kindle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a coupon code. So if people wanted to get in touch with me, I can probably give you 30% off the book. Oh, wow. It's, great, yeah. it's my favorite press in the world. But yeah, the books aren't cheap sometimes. Yeah, if you do, <laughs> you can definitely um, shoot me an email and I will definitely put that on chasingprophecy.com. I mean, I think that's wonderful um, information. I, I mean, like I said, my family's had it. 
My sons have it. My ex-husband has it. <laughs> so we're all a bunch of, we've been abducted by aliens, I think. Because <laughs> we all have the same experience. Well, thanks. Again. Maybe you are an alien. <laughs> maybe, Bob. Maybe I am. Well, thanks, Brian, for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Brian. Me. Thank you, Dr. Joy. Hey, um, Bob, anything you want to say? Um, no, that's why? interesting. I, I learned a lot just by listening. Listening, uh, yeah. There's so much knowledge out there. It's unbelievable. It is. It's so interesting. I mean, I could spend all night talking to them. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, people have this stuff. And, and what it's really scary because, you know, he says, it. you know, it's because, you know, it's, this is happening. This is happening. But when it's happening, you are, you can't do anything. And I swear, it screwed me up for a lot of my life when I grew growing up. Oh, my God, I had nightmares. I forgot to ask him one thing about, is it the same as night terrors? That's what I should, I'll have to email him that and put that on the Facebook page. Is it because night Jenny, terrors. Now that Jenny, uh, for you, I want to ask you now that you have some information on, um, sleep paralysis, are you going to be more aware of what's happening in your surroundings? Definitely. Moving the toe. I never even thought of doing that and saying, Jesus, I never thought of saying that. I know when I'm scared, I say Jesus, but when it's right. happening, I don't say that. You know, oh, I do. Angry. I do. When that happens and it does go away. I can't believe Bob, you haven't had anything like that happen to you. Uh, you know, I, I, it, Hey, at some point I might have a recollection now that you brought these things to my uh, attention, but uh, I can't say I have no. I mean, when he goes, when he starts saying sexual stuff, I mean, when he, when the thing or creature in front of your bed, the foot of your bed pulls your sheets off, you're, that's what you're thinking. What's going to happen next? God help me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's scary. Kind of material. And I was a teenager. I mean, it's like, I mean, this happened when I was young. It's really scary. It's really scary. I can't wait to, uh, next week. I mean, we, this was a little challenging for the first time. I don't know. Did you guys? What do you have? What are your thoughts on it? I thought it went I, smoothly, smoothly. It went really great, real smooth. Yeah. And um, I, I was happy with it. I think we'll get better as the time goes oh, on. Oh, yeah. I was a little nervous when we first started because I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> I want to tell Jennifer, what? Oh, you, you did well. You were like a natural. You were uh, a natural. Were. Oh, right. Honest to God, you had, yep. Couldn't yeah, have right. done it without you. Oh, yeah, we couldn't do it again. Yeah, okay, whatever. Well, um, wow, that was just. I just want to thank the listeners for joining us and being part of the discussion. I hope they continue to discuss this on the Facebook and uh, we'll see how many time, how much time we have left. Oh boy. We have what? Three minutes. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. Next week we have Dave bear on the phone, on the show. I was on his show. He's really cool. He's a sci-fi um, writer and he's a conspiracy theorist. So it, it'll be fun next that week. It'll be a good show. It should. We got what, two hey. minutes. Has he written books on conspiracy by chance? Um, I know he's written a lot of sci-fi. I don't know. His brother may have. He has a brother that's on all those um ancient aliens and all that. But he's oh, okay, good. yeah. But um, well, let's see what else we have to say here. I want to thank the listeners for joining us tonight. Make sure you check out our chasingprophecy.com, beaconlightradio.com. Continue the discussion on Facebook. Don't forget to check out my author page, J.E. Nicasio, on Facebook. You can learn more about my trilogy, Moon Dust, on Amazon. Uh, that's from the sky. And it's option for a movie, guys. I want to tell you. Well, don't tell anybody. Sean and Bob, 
what are you guys doing? Very close. Yeah, Sean, um, tell somebody if they want to get in contact with you. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me about any paranormal situations that is happening right now with you, you can go to my our Facebook page, Pittsburgh Paranormal Society. Okay, Bob, you have anything going on before I say goodbye? I have nothing. I have a, a weekend off coming, and uh, I'm going to hopefully find a UFO or have a nightmare. Awesome. <laughs> well, check great. Well, check out our Facebook, Instagram page, www.chasingprophecy.com. Chat with us live on Beacon Light Radio. Chat.com. Continue the conversation. Good night, everyone, and thanks for listening to Chasing Prophecy. You guys are fantastic. Have a great 